this guy had elite Mike linebacker instincts. If we don't handle Zach, he's going to wreck the game for us. Guys don't do stuff like that. Like that easy. He had the best hands of a linebacker that I had seen. It's a Cinderella story to me. And he knew exactly what to do. And that preparation right there, you know, I think that's why he has that gold jacket. The dude's a badass. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice, man, this is strictly for them true fans, golf fans, number one, of course y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk, never been that fish tank. Welcome back to the Fish Tank, presented by iHeartRadio, right here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. I am Seth Levitt, and I am joined by the last man to lead the Finns in receiving in a playoff win, OJ McDuffie Juice. It's a special time in Dolphins Nation. Oh, 1,000%, Big Seth. You know, man, it's a man. That's a great stat you just rolled off right there, man. <laughs> I love hearing some of the things I did back in the 30 years ago, man. But it is absolutely a special time in, in Dolphin Nation, man. And I can't wait to get at it, man, and get into it. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of that stat, let's hope that it does get broken soon. That, Correct. Right, right? Correct. We, we all yeah, want that. That's one of those records you want broken, bro. <laughs> but but right now it's yeah. a fact, for sure. And listen, <laughs> the wait is indeed over. After nine years of a Hall of Fame eligibility, the last four of which he was a finalist, Zach Thomas will make his forever football home in Canton, Ohio, as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. We are all pumped up for this. Everybody's pumped up for it. Yes. Really exciting times. And in celebration of Zach's achievement, Juice, we decided to speak with a few people who either played alongside of Zach or covered his Hall of Fame career so that Dahl fans could get a little closer to the linebacker who has now become the 11th, count them, 11. 11 members of the Miami Dolphins who have earned a gold jacket. Zach Thomas is right there, going to get fitted for that jacket. We're all going to give him a hard time uh, about <laughs> sleeve length or something. I don't know. <laughs> but Juice, I don't know about you. Could there be anyone better to kick this thing off with than Trace Armstrong? Not at all, man. You know, so let's do it. So look, Trace, when I look back at the years you played in the NFL and the guys that you played with, Richard Dent, Mike Singletary, Dan Hampton, Jimbo Covert, you know, you get to Miami, Dan Marino, Jason Taylor, not to mention you played for Mike Dicka, Don Shula, Jimmy Johnson. I think it's safe to say, Juice, that this guy knows what a (laughs) Hall of Famer looks like. You know, I think that's safe to say. What is it about Zach Thomas that just made him belong in that very selective elite group of men? Well, I think what often gets uh, underappreciated about Zach is, you know, he was a complete player. Much is made of his study skills and and, uh, you know, attention to detail and all that. But Zach truly was a complete football player. If you look at the consistency, you know, the high number of tackles um, year after year, you know, he had a couple of injury periods later in his career. But for a middle linebacker to play as many games as he did, as consistently as he did, you know, the interceptions, right? You know, 17, I think was it 17 interceptions, you know, four touchdowns, 20 sacks. And we never blitzed that hardly ever. So like he's underappreciated in my mind in the hall of famer underappreciated, (laughs) but just how complete of a football player and an athlete he was. And, you know, to me, and I'll say one other thing, it's like, 
great is not usually normal, right? You run it, we run in juice, we play with great players. Like great players are often difficult, but great in anything, right? Great coaches. You know, Zach was a great teammate in addition mm-hmm. to being this great player. Um, happy, you know, easy to get along with, a good leader. And he really stands out in that his completeness as a player but then also just a high, high quality teammate. Man, I'm so glad we started right there, Big Seth, man, because, you know, Trace is exactly right. Zach was an incredible teammate and absolutely was a complete football player. I mean, it didn't take any of us long to see these things, you know, and for us to find out that, you know, 54 uh, was going to leave a huge impression on us, and he still does. Well, I tell you, it it was – there were a couple of moments that I'll just never forget. And, you know, one was – you know, it was, it was Zach's first minicamp, and I'm in the cold plunge, and it's, you know, then we're juice. You remember, it's three a days. It was oh, yeah. ridiculous, <laughs> and uh, these are minicamps. <laughs> I'm in the cold plunge, and it was after day three of our first three-day minicamp, and Zach popped off the tape at everybody. And the thing that jumped out to me was there's this thing I call Mike Linebacker Instincts. Some guys have it, some guys don't. And that just that little feel, oh, I'm going to come under that guard and I can still close off the angle and make the play. Or I'm going to come over the top of this, right, and I'm going to sift through this, uh, you know, the uh, the puller or the, the trap guy and I'm going to make the play. So it was real clear to me early, like this guy had elite Mike linebacker instincts. And it's funny. So he he got he asked permission if he could come in the cold plunge with me, which was kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, and I remember talking to him. We had a great conversation that day. And uh, you know, I don't think we became friends then, but you know that that was the start of his and I's relationship. Was there that day? And then um, there was another uh, time I, he got an interception early. Uh, in the game, it may have been we were playing in Houston. And, uh, you know, you just saw him catch the ball kind of in the open field. Again, just kind of great feel for pass protection and coverage. You know, he caught the ball and then scored. And um, I'm saying, okay, that people would say, well, he's not that fast. He's not this. Zach had great ball speed. But that one play showed me something. Okay, this guy, like I said, he's got elite skills as an athlete. He is a complete player. It's just like you said, Juice, you and Trace weren't alone here. Dwight Hollier was a veteran linebacker who was in his fifth season in 96, and he was also fighting to make that transition from being a Shula linebacker to trying to fit into Jimmy Johnson's defense. And of course, he also noticed Zach Thomas right away. Oh, it was really quick. It was training camp. I mean, you just watch his instincts uh, the way he flew around, you know, nobody was going to outwork him. Zach, hands down, Zach Zach was the hardest working cat in the linebacker room, uh, at least. But he studied. He was diligent about watching film. He was diligent about understanding what the other team was trying to do. And he knew what the team was doing. He was he made so many tackles and so many plays because he if you lined up in a certain formation, he already knew what you were going to do. He knew your top three plays, and he was going to be in position to make a play on it. And and it was his his work ethic, the way he studied and prepared, and uh, and then just a, a natural 
quickness and an ability and, and I don't know what it was, but he could get from point A to point B in a flash and, and made a lot of plays. He had the best hands of a linebacker that I had seen too. I think there's a bit of a theme developing here, Juice. So another linebacker who we will spend a lot of time talking to and about today was Zach's partner in crime those early years. And of course, that's Larry Izzo. So Izzo and I spoke actually the day after the announcement that Zach was in. And he went on and on about people needing to understand that Zach was not just a try-hard guy. And he was adamant about this. Yeah, you got to remember, this is a guy that was a three-down linebacker, right? Didn't come off the field, was highly productive, made every tackle, could blitz, could cover. And if you didn't get a hat on him, he was going to get to the ball and had a knack for big plays super instinctive player but just the production on a weekly level not coming off the field and then on top of that was still playing special teams deep into his career so he was really a four down linebacker you know which is rare he was covering tight ends man to man he was covering receivers man to man you know in our scheme he had to match up with number three and a lot of times it was slot receivers coming inside that he's manned up on and so this was a guy that was just super productive but he did so many things he could do so many things and if you compare him to the guys that are in the hall of fame he's like you know the ray lewis's of his generation the brian urlachers he was right up there with them on a yearly basis and uh what really just stands out for me is you know i played with them for five years. So I, I got to see, you know, it from that perspective. But then when I left and I went to New England, if you could just understand how other teams felt about him going into a game against the Miami Dolphins, it's like the number one thing. If you want to run the ball, okay, how are we going to block Zach Thomas? Right. That's the number one thing these offensive coordinators were trying to figure out when they played the Miami Dolphins. Okay, we want to run the ball. How are we going to block Zach Thomas? The whole focal point of their scheme, their game plan, was identifying how can we handle Zach. Because if, if we don't handle Zach, he's going to wreck the game for us. And the, the respect that our coaches in New England had for him, you know, during the week they're asking me questions like, how's Zach going to see this? Is he going to be able to get there? And just like they were worried about him. And he was a game changer. And, and when you go into a game and you're the guy that the entire scheme is based on is like how to figure out how to handle this guy, that's when you're at an elite level. And so that's the guy that I saw from an opponent standpoint. Uh, but I already, I already knew all those things when I went up there. But it was really cool to, to see just how other teams viewed him. You look at Kevin Mawai when he went in the Hall of Fame. He's talking about Zach Thomas. You know, I mean, he was an exceptional player. And he's, I'm so happy that people are recognizing that and giving him the honor that he deserves. Oh, man, the perspective Izzo has, you know, not only as a guy who spent five seasons with Zach and here in Miami, and not to mention his best friend, but to hear what they were saying about Zach in New England was priceless, Big Seth. You know, that's the ultimate measure of respect, man. You know, when a, your opponent is building a game plan around you, you're a bad dude, man. And Larry, you know, also brought up something really important. You know, Zach didn't come off the field. 
a true three-down linebacker, and, and sometimes four-downs when, you know, he factor in special teams that he had to play at times. He was out there so much that Sean Wooden, he told us that DBs looked at him like, well, hell, a DB. Zach was like yeah. one of our own. Remember, Zach stayed on the field during nickel. Zach stayed on the field during dime. Zach stayed, you know, so Zach was that guy. So he was, he was like, you know, we would do film study together, you know, in those situations and all that stuff. And so we, we, uh, that became a pseudo dude. Yeah, you know, that's a great, that's a, that's, that's such a great DB. point, Woody. You just put it, put it out there really. Zach was a four down back, a linebacker, a four down linebacker. Yeah. Well, he was a four down because he was even on punch Five downs, really, but you think about it. One through four on offense <laughs> yeah. and on, on teams a little times. Yeah, he, he, was all, he was always on the field. Here's my thing. I absolutely love how you and everyone else is really fighting against this overachiever narrative and making sure that Zach's skill set is highlighted just as much as his study habits are. I mean, you guys, it's uh, like he's in. He's in, guys. It's okay. But I, <laughs> but I love that you're still sticking up for him. But I also don't think that recognizing the fact that his preparation, his film study, his pre-snap reads are legendary is any kind of a knock on him as a player. In fact, I would argue that if he did that better than anyone else, it's a badge of honor and it is indeed Canton worthy. And I don't think I'm alone here either. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think the way Trace put it is, is accurate. I mean, he, he had a, a flash and so if you combine that elite linebacker skill with the work ethic, with the, the, the prep that goes into it, with the training that he put himself through, it, it puts him into that Hall of Fame category, right? So he is a try-hard guy. He was a try-hard guy. He yeah. busted his ass. But then he also had the ability, the quickness, the strength, the talent to take on or run by a guard or fullback and and make a play. You can't deny that talent that he had and that niche he had for for making plays. Now, when you combine the preparation with the ability, that's who you got. You got Zach Thomas. And then you just factor in like his yeah, the preparation, obviously that allowed him to feel confident going into games and his preparation was on a, a ridiculous level. But that's what he did for himself to feel confident and, and get the edge or to feel like he had the edge. But then just the knack that he had for, for making big plays at the right moment, you know, just whether it was blitzing or interceptions, he just, he just did a really instinctive player that doesn't come along, you know, every, just every now and again, you, you find a Zach Thomas out there, but they're not out there. Believe me, I'm looking all the time. <laughs> I'm looking at all the time. And it's not a lot, you know, to compare, oh, he's kind of like a Zach Thomas, but believe me, they're never, they're, there's not a lot of Zach Thomases out there. You're right. And we did look at the game a little bit different. I remember that one time, remember he was hurt when he broke his leg. I had to actually go in that position. They put me in that position against Tennessee Titans. I don't know what the hell Jimmy was thinking. But Zach sat down with me during that week. And, you know, because I had to call a defensive line, their stunts and stuff like that. And, I didn't even know Zach made those damn calls. I thought stuff that those guys did it on their own. But, you know, he opened up my eyes of, you know, what to look for, how to look at different linemen, looking at different spots on the field of what they're going to do and this down and this. And Zach took so many damn notes that it was ridiculous. I took his notebook once and just to mess around with him, just to see, you know, what it was. And to open it up and just to look, it was like, basically you stole the answers to the test before the test was even written. Yeah. Like, it, mm. it, like, Zach, 
had the answers before we went into the game. He knew exactly. Third down and two, they're on the 45-yard line. They ran this play eight times in the last two weeks, like, and he knew exactly what to do. And that preparation right there was – no, I think that's why he has that gold jacket. Oh, man, such good stuff, Big Seth, man. Hey, what he said, it was like you stole the answers to the test. How about that? Man, oh, man. I mean, I love hearing these stories, bro. For sure. And, and actually, the more you hear them, the more you're like – what the heck took so long, right? So with each year that the Hall of Fame process would come and go and Zach would not be selected, all of us in Dolphins Nation were, of course, sitting here like, what's going on, man? And, and so we spoke with someone who has been a part of that process and who covered Zach for essentially the entirety of his career as a Miami Dolphin, and that was Jason Cole. So, Jason, you have been a Hall of Fame selector, I think, since Zach's been eligible. And, you know, certainly the past four years that he has been in the room, right? And mm-hmm. then obviously this past year where you guys finally got it right. Um, but can you talk about that? I know where you've been all along, though. So you're on the right team. Uh, yeah, but, right. but the collective, the collective. So sure. can you talk about the momentum that he gained throughout the process? And while Dolphin fans will be like, of course, he's a Hall of Famer. He should have put him in the day he retired and the whole thing. Um, and ultimately, they were proven right. But what was the shift in that room full of selectors that, uh, you know, that made it a matter of when and not if? Look, I think you keep repeating the story enough times. People get it in their heads and there's no backing off on that. That's one of the things that's a foundation. And, and let me give Armando Salguero, a tremendous amount of credit for coordinating the effort because he did the presentation and I followed up and then Alex Marvez followed up. And, you know, I think we did a really coordinated job. And then, you know, Barry Wilner helped out. So it's it's about telling the story enough times that people really get it and having the right people tell it. And, you know, like on my survey that I annually do, I survey like 400 people a year. Um, Juice Juice is one of the guys on that list, right? Guys who played the game, they coached the game, they were executives in the game. And, you know, he does really well on that survey. He's top five, top six every year. And he just needed to do that year after year. So it just needed to get played out. And there was one thing that happened in this meeting. And, you know, I'll tell the story in a minute, but Patrick Willis was was incredibly gracious uh, and helpful to the whole process. Man, you know that Patrick Willis comment, it really, really caught my attention, Big Seth. For sure. And I also always am intrigued by this survey that Jason conducts. I'm not sure that there's another selector in the room who does that. It's probably why he still has that <laughs> he still has that seat in there for sure. But what I didn't know, and I learned through this interview, is that you're actually one of the 400 he reaches out to. Every single year, man. Every single year I get a text from Jason, you know, when it's that time. And, you know, he gives me a list of the 20 guys, and he wants me to give my top five. And, you know, obviously it carries no weight, but at least he gets a, you know, a gist of, you know, what some of the other guys around the league, that how they feel about some of these players. And I'm sure it helps him out a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it does. And, and I think it's really respect in the room because just the, the, the labor involved and the amount of people and people know who's on that list. And so is it just a ranking or is he also getting some opinions or does he have follow-up questions sometimes? No, for, for me, for the most part, he just wants my top five guys, you know, and that, you know, within that, that 20 or, or so that they put out there. And um, 
of course, in the last four or five years, it's always been Zach Thomas. Zach is in me. that top always five. Always been in that top five for Good me, for you, bro. Juice. Good for you. So, look, for the listener's sake, I will tell you that we engaged in a little of our own Hall of Fame-style debate with Jason, even in this interview. And, and he is a guy that's advocated for Zach every year. So I want to make sure that that is understood. But a debate occurred nonetheless. However, there is no debate on today's episode because – Zach Thomas is going to be enshrined in Canton on August 5th, Juice. That's right, man. He's in. Yeah, for sure. But as you said, Jason dangled that Patrick Willis nugget out there, and we needed to hear more. So everybody who is in that room has what they think about certain players and what they Mm -hmm. know about others, and they covered some guys more than others. Certainly nobody knew Zach better than Armando, you, and Alex Marvez because you guys covered him Mm -hmm. uh, on a week-to-week basis. But did you start to sense that people were like, oh, wow, like I'd kind of forgotten about this. And oh, wow, when I put it in context like this, you you know, could you start to sense that shift? That's really what I'm trying to understand. Was it not just, oh, well, here we go again with Zach, let's just put him in. But did people start to, did did the oh, wow start to happen? I think the clincher, I'll come back to it. I think, look, we're repeating the same story. And it's the same story that we've been on with Tory Holt, you know, for a couple of years now, with Reggie Wayne for a couple of years now. With anybody who sits in the room, John Lynch. We all, you know, after a while, we do know the story. And I think there's an agreement. Yes, this guy's a Hall of Fame player. What's the one thing that's the tipping point? Honestly, I thought the tipping point and the great closer in this whole thing was Patrick Willis. Because Matt Mayoko from NBC Bay Area did the presentation for Patrick Willis. And look, Patrick Willis has a great argument on his side to be a Hall of Famer. Um, it's a short career Hall of Famer, like Dwight Stevenson, like Terrell Davis, like Tony Baselli, right? He was a shooting star. At the end of that, however, Matt talked to, you know, this, this wasn't done in person or on film, but he had talked to Patrick Willis and he said, and Patrick said, look, I feel confident I'm going to get in someday. If I have to wait, I have to wait. And he said, Zach Thomas deserves to get in. Wow. And when, when Matt cool. said, well, yeah. <laughs> It, it was so cool. And, and I'm watching the Zoom call, you know, and we're not, you know, unfortunately we haven't gotten back into one big room anymore, but you're watching the Zoom call and you just see eyebrows start to raise at the end of that. And you go, that's the clincher. You know, I felt good that we had a great presentation and that we were making the argument that he was going to get into the top 10, certainly, and have a really good shot to get into the top five, right? But that one thing, I think put it over the top of another guy who is at that level, you know, again, shorter career. He doesn't have the volume of uh, that. Zach well, he's competing for that spot. And, right. Like and he's, he's essentially, a, he's competing for that spot. Right. He's another man who believes in himself and believes that he should be in that hall of fame and believes in his own greatness. And he's willing to step aside and say, you know, this guy can go first. And when that happens, like, I, again, I just think it was the clincher. I think we, again, I think we had a great argument and we've, and we've been pounding the table. And I think that, you know, when Sam Mills went in last year, we kind of set the table for, you know, Zach, it's Zach's turn to go in. He deserves to go in at this point in time. Um, but, you know, it did. It, I, I can't say that the Patrick Willis thing wasn't just the last nail you know nail in the coffin i guess you would want to say or hammer hammering it down and making it uh, happen 
That's outstanding. Yeah, it's not a coffin. Come on, man. You're the writer here. I know. Okay, yeah. I'm, but I'm not a speaker. I'm a writer. I get time to write the words. Okay. Okay. You can, you can erase it. and right. delete yeah. and write again. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's why it's that's why it's really painful. Like uh, just to write. Okay. Nail in the coffin. I don't know what the heck Jason was thinking about there, Juice, but we had to give him a hard time. But how cool is that Patrick Willis story? Man, you talk about, you know, a guy that's probably going to get in himself, man, but realizes the guys that laid the groundwork for him and the guys that deserve to be in there, man, that story was incredible. And I had no idea. Obviously, a lot of people have no idea that that, you know, that was one of those things that happened in that room that also gave Zach that that gold jacket. Yeah, yeah. So cool. And I think that's just been a theme, and we heard it before, and, and I think a couple of the other guys said this in the interview, but – you know, when you heard Kevin Y say it on yes. the podium and then Jimmy said it. And yes, Jimmy coached him. But, you know, when P- you get a very limited amount of time, Peyton Manning said it. But when you're up there and you're standing there at that podium, you only have so much time. Yeah. And if you take some of your time to say to advocate for another guy, I think it says a lot about you. And for someone who is on the ballot yeah. to, to say, hey, look. This guy is deserving. Like, if we're talking about uh, an order of operations here, you got to think about this guy. Man, that's powerful. Incredible. So I, I love that. And, and just to hear Jason talk about the conversations in the room and how the selectors, um, the overwhelming majority of whom are media members, view how these guys view and evaluate the players is super cool. And so we spoke with someone else who's had the opportunity to cover Zach Thomas since he arrived in South Florida as a fifth-round draft choice in 1996. Now, this guy is not a selector, but he sure as heck knows Zach Thomas in the NFL, and that's the host of the Greg Cody Show podcast and longtime Miami Herald columnist, Greg Cody. Zach Thomas is is the story that that I most like to write because it's it's the classic underdog story. You know, the guy who was always a little bit too slow, maybe a step too fast, all the critics said, all the doubters. And, you know, here's a guy who was uh, uh, all state in high school and only had two college offers, all American in college and only got drafted in the fifth round. And uh, my, my favorite Zach story is from that very first um, preseason in 1996. Oh, OJ, yeah. you were there and it was a preseason banquet with the fans and everything. And excitement was super high because it was Jimmy's first year. People were super excited. And there were tables of 10 in the banquet room uh, where there was one player at each table. Now, O.J. McDuffie at that point was a rising young star. He'd come off an eight touchdown catch season. So when O.J.'s walking to a table, fans are going, yeah, please sit here. (sighs) Zach Thomas, 25 years later, told me that he saw the look on the the table's faces (laughs) when he walked over. The look of disappointment (laughs) because they didn't know who he was. Here's a a little 5'10", 5'9", defensive player built like a fire hydrant walking toward their table. They had no idea who he was. And and 25 years later, he remembered that look of disappointment. And that kind of thing has driven him his whole career. It made him uh, be in the weight room a little longer. It made him look at a little bit more film than the next guy. And so for after 10 years of being passed over for Canton, for him to finally uh, find out, and the way he did from Jimmy Johnson being at his house, I thought it was just a, it's a Cinderella story to me. And and Zach is, is a real guy, a real human being. Uh, there's nothing fake about him. And he's just the kind of guy you, you root for and you pull for. <laughs> man, I remember those banquets, man. I think it's hilarious that, that, that Zach still remembers that, you know, the look on the face of the people at his table. 
you know, I can tell you this, bro. They were probably kicking themselves a week or two later oh, yeah. into the season. It was rookie season yeah. when they didn't give him the respect. Right. Yeah, he probably deserved oh, we should have got point. his autograph or a picture with him. Yeah, no doubt. Instead of just asking him to pass the, right. uh, the butter. <laughs> oh, man, that was a magical year. And, and I don't know if you know this, Juice, but this was my rookie season as well in 96. I like to consider myself a, a part of that class. So let's hear from a few other guys who are a part of, of my rookie class, and that's Larry Izzo and Sean Wooden, who both have fond memories of the 1996 season. Yeah, you know, I had been familiar with Zach from all the way back to my I believe sophomore year in high school I mean sophomore year in college you know because we were in the same conference he was the guy you know he was the guy that you look to you know he was the best linebacker in the conference and um, so I knew him from a distance and then when we came to Miami obviously got to know him on a personal level and then you know right off the bat we kind of hit it off you know we're both Texas dudes he was a fifth round pick I was undrafted so we're both trying to make the team and you know special teams was really kind of both of our you know first thought process is this is going to start here we talked about it me and Zach actually had conversations our rookie year where you know hey whatever we got to do to make this team how we're going to make it you know special teams you know Larry Izzo was a walk-on at that time Larry probably was I think Larry was the first guy besides Dan Marino Jimmy Johnson said in, in a team meeting hey Larry call back home where you from call back home Tell me you're one of the Dolphins. You made the team. So, you know, me and Zach were like, oh, yeah. shit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how we're going to do it. You know, let's let's just try to make this team and and then, you know, you know, get some play time. It wasn't, hey, we wanted to start right away or we we're going to be named starters. You know, Juice, that's funny, actually. And we hear about Izzo and Izzo, who was paranoid and looking over his shoulder for 14 years, even though he's one of the best special teams players in the history of the NFL. But that moment where Jimmy stands up in the meeting room and says, we've got Dan Marino and Larry Izzo. We need 51 more. Like, I wonder if Zach, as a, you know, you were saying you guys were talking about, it, I wonder if he was like, damn, that's one less, that's one less <laughs> linebacker spot. Exactly. No, we were like, that's one less linebacker spot. That's one less special right. team spot. So we got to move. But no, I mean, then, you know, then that, that next week, I think, you know, we, we had a, a ton of scrimmages, a, a ton of uh, two days. That's why, you know, Jimmy was able to announce so many rookies as a starter in that first preseason game because, you know, we got enough looks, you know, through the offseason and then through training camp that, you know, it was enough for Jimmy to say, hey, you know, this is my guy. I don't think anybody knew how much Zach prepared for the opponents and how much, you you know, that extra, you know, I, I hate when everybody says he was an overachiever because Zach, to me, was always just an achiever. That over, you know, he was just always an achiever to me where – Whatever you want him to do, if you, you know, if he had to dig a tunnel to China, he was going to figure a way how to do it. Uh, we both kind of played the game in a similar way with a chip on our shoulder and uh, knowing that, you know, there was a lot of doubters out there that we always had to go out and try to prove wrong. And so he did that on a daily basis, that mentality that he had, that chip on his shoulder. He, you know, all the way to the end of his career, he had that chip on his shoulder. And that's, I think it helped him greatly. But we were just very similar in terms of that background. And then, uh, just getting to know him. You know, obviously, we groomed together for three years. St. Tropez. Come Saint on, Tropez. talk about it. <laughs> Had a lot of good times on the field. Uh, he's a fun guy to be around. Uh, that energy, that juice that he brings, you know, on the field, he brings it, you know, off the field, too. Uh, I don't know if that's the case anymore. He's probably getting a little older. No, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> if driving a minivan with your kids to soccer practice is bringing the juice, then yes, he's bringing but, it. Um, you know, Zach is just, 
he kind of like you know when, when he's in the room the energy just changes a little bit and uh just thinking of him just you know thinking of his smile and just uh you know some of the times that we had yeah he's a fun guy to be around so obviously we hit it off really well and um it was uh it was a fun couple years that we had together we were pretty tight you know rookie class um because like i said you know during the off season we stayed in the hotel together like seth said like you, you it was basically a frat house type of atmosphere over there at rolling hills so you know it, it, it was pretty cool um we got to hang out a lot and Again, like I said, is we all knew that Zach was a play. You know, you look at him on 707 drills, inside drills. I mean, this was a little short little dude that, like I said, he, he just achieved. You know, if, if he had to cover, you know, Troy Drayton or if he had to, you know, hit, you know, anybody, go up against, you know, Blitz and, and try to get away from Richmond Webb and, you know, Keith Sims, he was going to accomplish it. And, you know, he became you know, that leader of, you know, he was that signal caller for the front, you know, it was very interesting to have, you know, him as a signal caller for the front and me be a signal caller for the, the back end of it, uh, you know, having two rookies make the call for one defense uh, in their rookie year. It's, it's pretty uh, – it just shows you that, you know, that's the kind of support and all that Jimmy or respect that Jimmy had for us. You know, Woody said something really important there, man. He talked about Zach being the signal caller of the defensive front. And here's the thing about it, Big Seth, you know, when a rookie comes in and he's not only playing right away – but it makes the calls on the field. I mean, that immediately earns the respect of the vets out there. He earned the trust of the most veteran guy on, on the defense, and that was probably Trace at the time. So Zach put himself in position to make plays, made those plays, and you couldn't deny that he was, he was a, a great player. He was a good player and, and, and continued to get better year after year. But it was... I mean, we we understand football and, and hierarchy in football, but when you have been given the opportunity to be the one in the front of the huddle calling the plays, you get some instant credibility there. And so he got that just from being the Mike backer who called the plays. Yeah. And then he showed up. And when he showed up, again, you can't deny that he's he's a leader and he's a, he's a guy that, that's going to help us. He still had to bring biscuits no to the plane. Right? That, don't, you know, that don't change. But, you know, we, we gave him his props. Man, I love that. It's such a great look behind the curtain for our listeners and for me because it's not like I stood in that huddle. I know you, I was in, in there. Big class. Step, I, wasn't, I, okay. All right. I wasn't anywhere near that damn huddle. But it, it doesn't matter who you are, where you were drafted, because there is this rite of passage for young players in the league. But then again, at the same time, Dwight used the term instant credibility that was earned from vets on that defense. And I know that had to mean the world to Zach because he was a guy who respected the game. He respected those who had played the game before him. And I know he looked up to you guys as vets. He talked about that story, how honored he was that you sent him out streaking, right? And, and, <laughs> that he was honored because it wasn't was me, you big guys. Seth. Yeah. You're, what is that? Plausible deniability? Yeah, I think that's what they call that. But there was one veteran player who was and continues to be a mentor for Zach Thomas. Well, you know, Tracy, you, you talked about a lot about Zach on the field. You talked about the friendship you guys developed. But Zach also credits you as being a mentor to him, man. And and I'm sure that has to mean a lot to, to both of you guys, man. Oh, man, and, you just you gave know, me goosebumps. I, I know you guys are, yeah, I know you guys are still I know you guys are still close to this day, man. So, so yeah. talk about that a little bit. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, when I, when I was a player in Miami and, you know, I think in some ways I became 
the best pro in Miami. And, you know, one thing, you know, I used to grade myself in practice every day. I graded every rep and, you know, took notes and every day. And I started doing this one thing and uh, I looked at it like my notes and I'm like, okay, this is all about me. So I started this thing that I would just write a score every day, one through five, what was my impact on others? And so I'm trying to get better at pass rush. You're trying to get better at all the little things you're trying to do as a player. But I would just put a number score on there. And it was probably one of the most powerful things I've ever done because it just changed how I thought about meetings and how I thought about practice. And, you know, I was so fortunate that Zach Thomas comes along in 1996 because he was receptive to me as an old guy. And I loved helping him in any way I could. And then, you know, we got JT the next year who sat on my left every day in meetings. And it was literally, you know, one of the highlights of my day is I'm riding in and I'm thinking about, okay, what impact am I going to have on these people around me? And uh, I don't mean to sound like, you know, like uh, arrogant or anything like that, but it was, you know, I got back so much from them and, you know, whatever they got from me, I'm grateful for because I was grateful to give it. So uh, we've had, you know, laughs and ups and downs. And, you know, we certainly had lives together as players, Zach and I. But, you know, there are personal lives that go on with that. And um, it's been one of the great gifts in life that, you know, we're still friends and, and still involved in each other's lives. I feel, uh, like I said, I feel very fortunate. When you hear that, man, it becomes more and more clear now, while there are so many guys who, who can say that Trace took them under their wing, Big Seth, but the bond he had with Zach is undeniable. And really, with everyone he spoke with, I mean, you hear how special Zach was to them, and I think a big reason for that is Zach's humility. I mean, the most humble guy that yeah. succeeded out there on the field that you'll ever see. He, I mean, he was a great player, of course, who obviously saw success in this league right away, yeah. but he stayed grounded, man, and always stayed grounded. And we spoke with Zebby Lethridge, you know, who was Zach's quarterback at Texas Tech, which is crazy, it's right? It's so crazy. And then, you know, a teammate, again with Zach, when he came to the Dolphins. After Zebby, you know, he made the move from quarterback to, to defense. And Zebby said that Zach has always been that dude. Zach is a very humble guy. If anything, Zach always stressed himself out and worked harder to continue to be a starter week in, week out. I mean, we knew he was the guy. He's an All-American but in Zach's mind, he was always uh, one play away from being on the bench or being beat out by the next guy. So that really helped him work harder and put the work in to stay out on the field. One of the things that really impresses me about Zach's character is that it was almost a running joke between the two of us because every time around this year, I would call Zach a day before the vote just to find out if he was uh, on the way to the Super Bowl or if he'd already gotten the bad news call. And um, when I called him a year ago, uh, he knew by then he wasn't going to Canton or the or to the Super Bowl. And when I talked to him, he was at his kid's soccer game, you know, just living life. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I heard the referee whistle in the background. And, uh, you know, he was just a, a proud daddy uh, going about his life. And, and I asked him, you know, how he was feeling right now. And he's like, oh, man, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. 
you know, football gave me so much. I love the game so much. How can I not be grateful? And that was Zach in disappointment. You know, his disappointment sounded like gratitude. And so it just made you root for the guy. I'm real happy for him. Zach Thomas as a pro bowler was the same guy he was in college. And I, I have to give credit to his mom and dad. I mean, his upbringing, like I said, Zach never put himself above anyone. If anything, I think Zach had just signed a, a nice deal with the Dolphins. And going into that camp, he still felt like he could be cut. That's what really helped Zach strive to be the best that he could possibly be. And he continued to work hard. You know, he didn't. He played for the love of the game. You know, he probably would have played for free if they would have allowed him to. And uh, that first contract, he would have. I think by the time he got to the second one, he was. (laughs) I don't think anyone listening to this is going to be surprised to hear Zebby Lethridge say that Zach was the same guy in college that he was as an NFL All Pro, and. I love that anecdote from Greg Cody as well. I think a lot of us had those moments with Zach over the past four years, Juice. I know you did. We would text him. or and, and I almost felt like we had this feeling like we needed to keep his spirits up, but that wasn't ever the case. What right. Greg said was kind of how he was with all of us. We just knew at some point the vote was going to swing the right way. And that has to be why I think people are so moved by him finally getting the nod. So let's hear what the experience was like for Larry Izzo when Zach filled him in on the big news. Yeah, obviously, just like you said, every year it was frustrating when he didn't get in, especially the last couple of years when he was a finalist. And you're thinking this is a year, especially that year it was in Miami. This is this is a perfect year for it. And so it was frustrating. I was just frustrated, you know, and disappointed for him when it didn't happen. But I knew I knew it was going to happen. And I would every time he didn't get in, I was like, I reached out and just said, hey, man, I'm sorry, but you know, it's coming. You're just one step closer. And uh, so I can imagine all the doll fans out there, how frustrating it must have been for them as well. But it is gratifying when it happens. And so now I just think that, uh, you know, all those years that he had to wait at the end of the day, when you do get that call, it's well worth it. Right. It's always well worth the, the wait. Nobody's you know, disappointed at that point. He got in. in. It it took a while, but he got in. And then, so when I heard, I got the call from Zach, I was just so, just so happy for him. I I knew it was, I kind of pictured this is, this is going to happen one day and to be living it right there. And then to to hear his voice tell me that he got in, you know, I I got, I got emotional, you know, because I, you know, so, so happy for him, you know, so knowing how long it took, but just knowing how much he deserved it, and it finally happened. You know, Izzo, you guys are uh, both two tough, tough, tough SOBs, man. So tears were definitely shed. In yeah, I, 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 I watered up a little bit. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then I saw the footage from him, and again, how can you watch that and not, like, you know, feel it? You know, with him yeah. when he walked in, and you could just feel the emotion of Zach. He coming up the stairs, and then he sees Jimmy right there. He sees his family. I mean, I, that's that's good stuff right there. I mean, it, it reminds me of the time we went to see the Titanic years ago. And, you know, we walked out of that theater and Zach looked a little bit similar to how we did watch the Titanic. Back. Truth, <laughs> the three of us sitting in that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one in the horse whisperer you took us to. <laughs> <laughs> he was so, grown ass yeah, man, huh? Yeah, grown ass man. Oh, 
a different scenario. Oh, man. It looks like Izzo, as he is known to do, Juice, he's brought us back to a more traditional fish tank episode. The <laughs> going to those movies. We, we could literally do an entire podcast episode on going to the movies with Izzo and the films that he would choose. And I know he talked a little bit about it when he was on our show. But, yeah, Titanic, The Horse Whisperer. Three guys sitting in there oh, in man. these, you know, pulling at the heartstrings. Some great romance in those movies. <laughs> uh, too much fun. So, listen, since Izzo has taken us to this place, what do you say we wrap this thing up with some quick storytelling and lasting memories from our guests? You know, that, that works for me, Big Seth. You know, let's start off with one from Sean Wooden, who found out the hard way, the hard <laughs> way, just how competitive our favorite linebacker is. I'm going to tell you this. So, I remember playing Detroit Lions. We playing against Barry Sanders. It was a night game. And, and Zach was cussing the ref out so bad. <laughs> he said that Barry had oil on him. He had something on him because he kept slipping off. He couldn't tackle the guy. And I was like, Zach, you were just missing him. And then all of a sudden he turns to me, says several different curse words at me. We go on the sideline. He continues to curse me out. I think one time he was on the ground. I tried to help him out. He goes, F you would, all that stuff. And I'm just like, dude, if he had oil on him, he'd be fumbling. You were missing him. <laughs> that's just how much of a competitor this dude was. Like, he was so in the moment. And then after the game, he wants to have beers with me in, right, what, after, you know, in the part in the players' parking lot. And I'm like, what? It's over? Like, dude, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder now that he and Barry both have gold jackets, if he's going to go pat him down like the officials used to coming out of the locker room to see if Barry still has any of that on him. Right. I mean, that's just with Zach, though, man. He was so intense on that field. And I'm telling you, after that play, if you look at any film, I never tried to help him up again. That's too funny. That's too funny. You're on your own, Zach. That's, that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. It's so good. And it kind of reminds me of someone else I know, huh, Juice? It's a little competitive. <laughs> Might say a few words for some friendly fire to your opponents. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'll let you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll keep this thing moving with Trace Armstrong, who definitely held on to that big brother role even after he retired. I am going to ask one question that we may or may not use the answer to, but I was oh, listening Lord. back. <laughs> well, I was listening back so before. In prepping for this, I went back and listened to the Zach episode, which was one of the first episodes of this show that we ever did back in 2018. And it was one crazy story after the next. And one of those <laughs> was our annual trek to Gainesville, you yes. know, to go see a Gator basketball game. But it always, it was so great because it started with just me and Zach and then Dixon came on board and then JT came on board, but you were always a part of it because you were there. Like we were coming yep. up to, to see you talk about being a retired player living in Gainesville, which had become your hometown now. And we bring this guy up to Gainesville, what that was like. Yeah. I tell you what, it was I'm not kidding you. One of the highlights of my year. And, and I, I, you know, I got so excited when you guys would come up and, <laughs> you know, just would want to show you the town. And it was just great to reconnect with you guys and, you know, live it all again and know that, you know, friendships endure, right? Because a lot of times, you know, we, you got friends that they happen, you know, they're a period of life thing, right? And just the fact that, like, you guys would take the time to come up and see an old guy in Gainesville, Florida, nothing, no disrespect to Gainesville, but there's certainly lots of other interesting places you guys could have gone. 
and uh, and you picked that one. So well, uh, that's it, what happens when I'm picking the destination train. Well, there you go. <laughs> See, you and I know as organizers, right? There is some power, right? right yeah, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. No, but it, it meant the world to me. It was a lot of fun, a lot of great memories. I was thinking about too. We uh, JT and uh, and Zach and I believe Larry met me up in Chicago. Like they hadn't been to Chicago and we went to a Cubs game. So we're there at the game. We're in the skybox. We had a great weekend. But it's funny. I uh, They come down. We're staying at a real nice hotel downtown Chicago. And they're like wearing Jordan stuff, you know, shorts and <laughs> tennis shoes. <laughs> and that's here I am, the old guy, right? And I'm taking them to, you know, we were guests at WGN and I literally sent them back up to their room to change. <laughs> and I said, like I did to my kids this morning on the way to uh, school. It's so funny. I, I found like, a, you know, it's like there is no way that a basketball game might break out on the way to the stadium. <laughs> so we're not. <laughs> go put oh, some so damn good. pants on. Oh, man. That's so good. Well, you did have that famous line I heard a couple times in the locker room after I think Zach had decorated his first house. And you said, you know, all the money in the world can't buy style or taste. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's too funny, Big Seb, man, you know. But hopefully we've all matured a little bit since then. I sure hope so. Yeah, me too, man. Well, you know what? Let's turn things a little more serious with some final reflections from Jason Cole. Jason, before we let you get out of here, man, tell us your – please tell us your favorite Zach Thomas story, man. I think it happened on Saturday. Like, seeing the, the film of him, you know, that – the presentation by NFL Network and Steve Weish, you know, does a great job. And then Jimmy waiting to see his face and to see him cry like that. Like, you know, you know somebody and you know how much work they put into it. And I got, you know, I got a thousand crazy work, workaholic game related stories that I could tell about Zach Thomas. And we could spend, you know, three, three episodes of the fish tank um, talking about, about stuff that he did on our field, you know, him and Peyton Manning going at it, you know, on the field, which is just such great inside football stuff, him making plays, Jeff Saturday talking about how he would, you, you try and run a slip screen on him. He'd come to the line at five and a half yards. He'd take a step and a half back and just smile and go, yeah, I know what you're calling. Right. Like <laughs> stuff like that. Just look at him. Go, so yeah. Yeah. Like, I know what you're doing, you know, and like Peyton's going, God, he's in our playbook and stuff like that, right? You know, like, and Peyton going crazy and stuff like that. You know, like I love that kind of mind game stuff. But to see somebody so emotionally touched and to say you played a small little part in the appreciation of that and to see that moment play out, like I'm a pretty jaded human being. You guys know that. Okay. <laughs> I'll co-sign that. Yeah, you'll co-sign that. Okay. But like I, you know, like I welled up a little bit too. Because I just appreciate watching him. Like there are people that you are privileged to watch play. You know, you're privileged to watch really great people do it. And I think I've said that to you, OJ. I was privileged to watch you play. I was privileged to watch Zach Thomas play. I was privileged to watch Dan Marino play. And um, that stays with you. And to see that on Saturday, see him break down in tears in front of Jimmy and his family, like that was really sweet.
How about that? A sentimental Jason Cole. That is not something you will find every day in your podcast listening for sure. Only Zach Thomas could bring that out of him. So listen, we've got one final story to bring us home. I can't think of a more fitting way to close a Zach Thomas tribute episode, Juice, than with a story from Larry Izzo. I got to tell you the story. I, I might have told it the last time I was on, but this just represents, this story represents Zach in a nutshell in terms of um, what he was on the field. I remember when we were playing the Dolphins, I was in New England, might have been like 2005 or something, and you know he was on the punt return team. Not so much the punt return team. It was like the defensive stay. The safe team. Yeah, safe. so he's he's kind of just on tape as I'm watching him throughout the week. You know, he's just he's always lurking. He's looking to just take, you know, take a shot at someone <laughs> as they're releasing down the field to go down the punt inside the 10. And so uh, I got a chance to, you know, have a little bit of a, a meeting on the field during this play. I see him. He's kind of lurking. I'm running down the field. So I'm like, all right, what the heck? Let's go smash heads here and see what happens just for fun it's gonna be like, <laughs> that's fun is though that's, that's fun. No, there's no return he's in my way i'm not gonna avoid him let's go and so we ran into each other a thousand miles an hour and i'm telling you i had never been hit that hard in my life <laughs> we all know zach he's got that thick head and i'm thinking I'm telling you it's a rare deal this guy he's got that thick head stock filled and He's going after you. He's looking to, to knock the shit out of you. And so we go in and hit heads. My head was just hurting. Like, I come off the field. All of a sudden, I get, like, this bubble on my eye. Like, it was like a, a – I asked the trainers. I was like, come over here and look at this. I'm just kind of, like, not feeling – Cut me, Nick. Cut me. <laughs> <laughs> bubble develops on my eye. So this bubble – ends up staying there for like the rest of the season. I'm walking around <laughs> with this bubble on my eye. And so after, and I kept asking the trainers like what what's going on here and they're like I don't know maybe just some fluid. So after the season I go to the doctor to get it checked out and this doctor tells me like he's never seen this before in his life in his whole career. Zach gave me on that one play he gave me what it's called a, a superficial tear of your temporal artery. Uh, basically, it's an aneurysm of an artery in your face, in your head. Oh. Now, it's not inside the skull, which probably would have led to like some serious issues. But this was uh, a superficial one on the facial blood vessels that you have. And, and long story short, I had to have plastic surgery to get this thing removed. And like this doctor told me, he's like, you usually see this type of thing with like car accidents or if like somebody got hit in the head with like a baseball bat in a fight or something. This is, there's only been a few cases like this that are documented. And personally, he'd never had one before. But the, the way I'm just kind of connecting it to Zach is like, this is, that's Zach in a nutshell, dude. The guy, just think about it, man. He had that thick head and he was a feisty, tough ass dude that wanted to knock the shit out of people anytime he was on the field whether it's a th second down run or this is a, a punt play where he's just out there so he's got that mentality he's got that thick head and then he's just got that that rare rare ability to i don't know now i'm losing myself on this but the dude's a badass okay? yeah <laughs> and he didn't care if we were boys or not he was trying to light me up 
and he lit yeah. me up. And I got a scar right here, right above my right eye there, that I'll always have. And I'll always just think of that scar. When I look at that scar, I just think of Zach. You know, he gave me that shit. And it's a Hall of Fame scar now, is Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but just, it's just one, that's a story from the two of us had on the field. But uh, obviously, he hit people a lot like that on a weekly basis. You know, it's, it's so funny because, uh, you know, my boy Brian O'Neill, Bo, he hit me one time in a game and he got me good. But to this day, I still don't admit it. Do you admit that to Zach? Does Zach, Zach know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that he got like, you good like that? Look what you gave me. <laughs> I mean, and you, the thing is, I had to walk around for like three months here because this game was early in the year with like this lump on my head. And nobody. <laughs> the Zach Thomas you know, lump. I, I was deformed. <laughs> with That's one so collision weird. hey and juice the whole idea was just for fun let's just do right, this for right. fun let's try. yeah let's do this you know what hey me? but it comes back to that whole zach thing about respect you know right respect and you know i'm running at him oh i was trying to do the same thing to him you know how he is with that respect deal linebackers man texas linebackers juice man oh man that story really does encapsulate their entire relationship doesn't it and and of course Izzo brilliantly puts a bow on the story with a little r-e-s-p-e-c-t and zach you have earned the highest form of respect there is for a football player my friend juice and i couldn't be happier for you and i think it's pretty clear that all of dolphins nation feels the same way you know big steps right five four man this has been a long time coming and you're exactly where you belong kid with the football immortals. And I've already made my reservations to be in Canton to celebrate with you and sharing this incredible moment. And I don't think you're going to be alone, Juice. We are expecting to see a Miami Dolphins takeover at the Pro Football Hall of Fame on August 5th. So that concludes this Zach Thomas tribute episode. I imagine there's going to be a few others over the coming months, but we appreciate you spending the last hour with us or more. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we want to thank our guests, Trace Armstrong, Jason Cole, Greg Cody, Dwight Hollier, Larry Izzo, Zebby Lethridge, and Sean Wooden for their time and certainly for sharing their amazing memories of an amazing football player, Zach Thomas. Thanks for diving in, Dolphins. You're now diving into the fish tank. Sitting down with Seth living, OJ, Juice, man, This is strictly for them true fans, Dolphins, number one. one. Of course, y'all, this ain't no ordinary sports talk. Dive up in that fish tank. Go get your aqua orange, yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rocking with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank. Big or cry hard, leave it all on the field. We gon' try hard, old school, a new school, mix it in. Feeling like we up close when we listening. Dolphins tales in Miami is the deep end. We vibing with our favorite players, no secret. We get with Seth and McDuffie, bringing up stories we never heard to the public. Bet we love it. Dolphins fans never budget. We loyal to the team, whether happy or we upset. We be like, what's next? Don't switch the subject. You know it's all about the fans. And if you ready for that water, time to die. In. Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fins. And if you down with Dolphins Nation, time to dive in. Don't switch the subject, you know it's all about them fins. You looking at that fish tank, it's time to dive, dive in. in that fish tank. 
go get your aqua orange. Yeah, it's time to dive up in that fish tank. It's only legendary talking when you dive up in that fish tank. Rapping with OJ and Seth when you dive up in that fish tank.